This call may be recorded or transcribed. Hello, Jeff. Hey, buddy. Welcome back to the United States. <laughs> Thank you, man. How are you? I am doing strangely well. Strangely? Yeah. So, uh, like, last week if I had talked to you, I would have had a clear idea of what I was up to and what I wanted to see God do next. And now I have no clues. Actually, so I have too many clues <laughs> that don't fit <laughs> together. And it's like, <laughs> and, oh, wow. uh, like, I feel like the number of things that I could do that God seems to be opening, God seems to be, uh, sorry, making doors appear, but the doors are locked. So it's a very strange situation. But the word I got a couple of days ago was, seek my faith and you will inherit my kingdom. And so I'm wow. taking that as, you know, because I tend to be very kingdom oriented. I want to push the boundaries of God's kingdom and accomplish things that will bring glory to God and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Uh, but when I get uh, um, more vision, uh, what was it? when my reach exceeds my grasp, Right. When I have more vision yeah. than I have, um, um, let's call it more vision than I have favor. That's an interesting way of framing it. Uh, then mm. I tend to get frustrated. And I so I am learning to lean into the like, OK, there's all these amazing things I could do for God, but none of them seem to be the right time. And so I just need to sit with that. And, you know, usually I would get caught up in the cycle of, did I hear from God or other people hearing from God, right? And mm. now I'm really just like, okay, I have no idea what's going on. I'm just here for whatever God wants me to do, whatever he wants me to do it. And I will just sit until, um, <laughs> and, and like do the things that I can do with what I have in my hand and just trust that. If I just wait until the right time, then I would be able to get 10 times done, you know, much. Fa In fact, that's been my story of my life this year is that, really? you know, we had this data platform we were trying to build at work for over a year. And we kept running into all these obstacles. And then because of a crisis at work, we basically built the whole thing in a month and everyone was too busy to like second guess us. So I could build it exactly the way I wanted to, which would never have wow. happened if we had done it leisurely. And so I'm realizing that, like, that factor of 10 compression is like, okay, what well, was it um, Pedro Dale likes to say, uh, you know, one God idea is worth more than a lifetime of labor. Mm. And I think that's probably true that one God month is easily worth more than a year of human striving. So, wow. hello. So rather than getting that's stressed cool. about all the things that need to get done soon, uh, yeah. I'm just like, okay, God, I'm just going to show up and try to be emotionally present in whatever conversations I'm having and trust that you will figure it all out at the right time. Yeah. And let me know. I say, you probably already figured it out. You'll let me know at the right time. <laughs> I think that's really key. I think, I don't know, for me, I think that's more and more what the practical expression of wisdom looks like. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to have insight and, you know, with revelation and wisdom are partners in a lot of biblical mm -hmm. passages. And I think that's, I think the reason has to do with exactly what you're saying, that 
God may show us certain things, but the timing of implementation and the, the path to get to those things, <laughs> he doesn't always show us. So there, there's the there's the being open to what God's showing us, but then there's the stewarding of that in mm. time when you know we don't always know the we don't always know the roadmap, even if we have a, a glimpse at the destination. Yeah. And I think wisdom has to do with that. It has to do with trusting the voice of God. Mm -hmm. Even even when he doesn't always give us, you know, the blow by blow or the you know the step by step, he might he might give us pictures of things that are in his heart, but the execution of those and the the outworking of them, we really I I don't know more and more feeling like man we have to have open hands with this. Yeah, there's a great quote from a friend of mine. Uh, he was it was kind of a somewhat sarcastic comment that. Uh, he values engineers for what they do and managers for what they don't do. <laughs> nice. And I think about it in the context of Abraham, right? Is that yeah. in this long period of waiting, if he had the uh, sort of compressive strength to resist, uh, you know, Hagar and Sarah, yeah. you know, the, the God's right. blessing would have been a lot less complicated. And yep. uh, there's this, um, that was the, he talked about tensile strength versus compression strength in engineering terms, right? Compression means how hard you can be squeezed, and tensile means how hard you can be pulled apart. Mm. And um, you know, most hierarchies are organized around compression, <laughs> whereas mm. relational networks are built around tension. Got it. And it, it's you know the this is probably a spiritual maturity dynamic in there. Anyway, what have you? Uh, I, I think by the way, I think that's a good title for this is wisdom expressed. Wisdom expressed. Of expressing wisdom, and of like, how do we get uh, the God's fast path looks like uh, circuitous to us? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's one thing you learn I mean, in uh, physics is that the great circle route doesn't look okay. great, but it's actually the shortest. <laughs> wow. I'll receive that <laughs> from the phys insight from physics. I like that. Well, you mentioned Abraham. I, I, you know, when I think about these things, I think of Joseph. So maybe there's some hope, mm. you know, like a few generations down from Abraham, somebody seems to have learned something because yeah. I think Joseph, Joseph is like a, he really is kind of a really helpful prototype and forerunner yeah. of, of Jesus in a way because yeah. He seems He's one to of the have least morally ambiguous patriarchs. <laughs> right. He seems to have done something right here with um, the reception of, of Revelation. You know, he had these visions. He's mm. 17 years old. Right. They're real. They're from God. But yeah. they, tweak, they take 20 years to come to completion. And the way I think about it is like the Lord had to build the man who was prepared to inherit the vision's truth, you know, like ooh, ooh, the, the visions ooh. were right. The visions were real, but Joseph yes. wasn't ready for that yet. Oh, so God had oh, to build this, him. This is something I'm going to wrestle with quite build a, a bit. Man to, how do you build a man to step into that sense of destiny and calling? Well, trouble, <laughs> you know, well, trial, this, this, difficulty, and all of that. Yeah. And the, the fascinating thing is that of all the patriarchs, Joseph is the only one, only one 
who seem to pass the trial the first time. Right? Like, yeah. He, 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 and, and God keeps, uh, what is it, the, 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 the testing that comes before the promotion, right? He, like, doubles the stakes every time. And, and, yeah. I, and I think that this is the thing I've been um, wrestling with is this issue of identity, this tension between, on the one hand, we are completely perfect in Christ, totally accepted, you know, end of story. And on the other yeah. hand, we are still in this massive process of becoming, which is excruciating at times. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe Joseph's secret is that he had a deep sense of identity security because he knew he was loved by his father. But yeah. he had to learn the right way to exercise that role. And that's where he sort of got a little ahead of his skis with his brothers. <laughs> right. And it's a perfect teenager thing to do, isn't it? Like when you think of, yeah. <laughs> I had this dream, you know, it's like, you know, it's, so I, I feel like his story is about this is the is the emergence of wisdom in in his life to match the revelation God gave him because I don't know I mean we don't get a judgment about that from the author but whether it was wise for him to share these dreams with his family or not practically, I mean, practically it's a fair question it's a fair question but by the yeah. end it's it's wisdom that has shaped Joseph's entire perspective on what he went through. When, like when he faces his brothers in the end, mm-hmm. he says, look, whatever you meant for evil, God meant for good, for yeah. the saving of all these lives. That's wisdom. Like he, know, he, he has come to interpret his story through the lens of God's you know, big picture objectives. And that I feel like, okay. So God gave this young kid you know, these, these visions of grandeur. And then mm-hmm. he shaped him to step into the role. Yeah. Well, first and he shattered them. He got them, it. And then he shaped them. Yeah. <laughs> right? And this, this picture is that, uh, and maybe this is the, the question I've been wrestling with, is that how you reference all that tension is we need to be secure in our relationship with God and tentative in our relationship to our roles. Thinking like a lot of my angst is when I'm at these inflection points where I could go in like four different directions. And in one direction, I'm an entrepreneur, another direction, I'm a minister, and another, uh, I'm a student. And like there's all these different directions I could go in. And not yeah. knowing the role is deeply unsettling, right? Because you don't right. know how to relate to other people and they don't know how to relate to you. Right. And yet, it is precisely in that uncertainty, in that, like, seeing the reality as it is and not knowing what to do, that I have to find my identity in Christ, as opposed to the way, you know, Western civilization is organized, <laughs> finding my mm-hmm. identity in my job, in my calling, in my ministry, in the impact I'm having, in the things yeah. that the world can measure and reward. Right. No, that's really good. I mean... Yeah, I think there is that, especially that those of us, I think, who are heirs of the, I mean, this isn't entirely fair, but it's it's sort of the generalized perspective, like the Protestant work ethic. Type. Right. Like we inherited that 
And even though there's something beautiful about that, like taking responsibility, working hard, building things, I like that. But like, we like living in modernity, right? Where get, we have, you yeah. know, cars and penicillin and things like that. <laughs> where it comes to get skewed is, I think the language you use is it's very helpful. Like, it's not the same as who we are, even though it's, it's something we do and what we produce and it's, it can be healthy. But when we start linking whatever, you know, if the, the, the outcome of our activity, you know, where we're looking to validate something in ourselves mm. that we just can't, you know, like in the natural sense, like you, Ernie, you love your kids, not because of what they do for you, but because of who they right. are to you. But when right. we don't see that, and we think God's looking at us like, man, you got to, you know, prove yourself around here. Prove that you're worth something to me by, you know, producing. Then we get, that gets really skewed and we start to misunderstand, I mean, things as basic as the nature of love, I guess. You know, we start to, that starts to get warped. Yeah. And then whatever else, wherever else we go from there is already on a shaky, crooked foundation. And it, yeah, we produce pain. And we generate that in our own lives and in others if we don't get it sorted, I think. Well, the funny thing is, and, and, and maybe pays not the right word, right? Because, like, healthy discipline, I keep going back to you know, Hebrews 12, a father disciplines his children, which is a painful process, too. And yeah. this is usually where I tend to get tied up in knots, is I can, you know, I tend to oscillate. I, don't know if I was talking about this with somebody else on a podcast that I oscillate between the, mm. I'm just going to be totally supportive and loving and accepting, and I'm going to make sure they grow up and become what they're supposed to become. And I think mm-hmm. there's a radical center in there somewhere, um, or maybe there isn't. And maybe it's just one of these things that no matter how good I do, there will be some brokenness that will only be solved by their personal relationship with Jesus. And yeah. so the, the meta narrative of, look, I'm going to do the best I can, but I'm going to screw up and you need to find grace at the cross to cope with that. <laughs> yeah. Not, I mean, I think in the end, that is the, the, the logical conclusion of the story. There's enough of the image of us, right? The, the icon of, of God yeah. to, to connect with those things. Mm-hmm. But because, you know, of the compromise and the corruption, we, we can't do it. We can't do those things. Like, I, yeah. I think that's where I would go with the Roman seven passage. Like, there is enough of the icon in people to to mm-hmm. admit that what they're reading in the Torah is right. You know, these, mm-hmm. these basic moral principles and expectations. But there is, because of sin, the power isn't there. And and right. that's what we need the cross for, for, not only for that redemption, but for that liberation, which I feel is the focus. Like, if you read Romans through, I think the focus on in chapter 3 and 4 is more along the lines of, you know, being forgiven, being Justified, mm. being restored to right relationship, but the more you read, you know, especially into chapter six and following, the focus is on liberation. It's, it's right. not just being forgiven; it's being set free, so that okay, by a power that doesn't come from within us, you know, a power that comes from God, there is the potential for people to live up to that icon, not by right, our strength, but by divine grace. So I think that yeah. there is something in that in all people. I'm reading Paul right anyway, that has the capacity to admit, yeah, certain things are right, certain things are wrong, um, but maybe not the capacity to cooperate. 
<laughs> with without well, the well, grace well, of God or something. What was like it? What is it? I think C.S. Lewis said, like everybody has a moral standard and everyone fails to live up to it. <laughs> and yeah, that's good. That's good. And um, yeah, somebody. But it's interesting, right? Like because everybody, there. there's very few people. I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess I assume that there are some, but very few people in our current generation, at least, who would argue that there isn't something right or wrong. Right, and they, and, they, and, they may not ground it on anything, but every right. like, no, they like, won't. They won't necessarily. Yeah, but, but they like but clearly have a, like you know you know the geopolitical stuff in uh, the Ukraine is kind of focusing. Sure. Uh, moral indignation in a way that's rare in the West these days. Yeah. Almost like there's almost a sense of, yes, we finally have someone we're allowed to hate. <laughs> we can that's come right. together around that. We found Darth Vader at long last. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah that, that instinct toward outrage, I, I think that's the divine stance. People can't yeah. outrun it. They can't. And this is the... And this is, it's funny, I had a really good conversation, I think I was telling you, meeting with a friend of mine at the church, um, and he shared how he really got convicted of a religious spirit. Uh, mm. It was kind of funny, because I was trying to get together with him to talk about this, but then we had a sermon, uh, you know, where we basically spent the time focusing on our president, and, he, and God really spoke to him, it's like, thank you, God, you, like, talking about timing, like, God wow. had the conversation with him that I was hoping to have. But by waiting, God took care of it. So it's like, okay, oh, wow. good. Better for him to hear it from God than for me, right? Amen. And so we've been really praying about this at our church is this idea of, uh, like, it's okay. Clearly we need to repent of a religious spirit. But then, yeah. like, I know what I'm repenting away from, but what am I repenting toward? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was trying to realize is that because the opposite of a religious spirit is, I guess, what you'd call an antinomian spirit. Right, that right. there is no law, right? And as a caricature, the Republicans are <laughs> religious and the Democrats are antinomian. Right, right. You know, and the alternative, uh, I, I was thinking, was a transparent spirit. You know, hmm. the, the, the religious spirit worships the law, like they put all the worth on the law. The law is good, the law is worthy, the law is right. Like, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, true. <laughs> Psalm 119 is full of it but it's also woefully incomplete, mm-hmm. right? And the antinomian spirit is, no, the law brings death, the law brings condemnation, the law brings separation, which is also true, Yeah. right? And that's Romans uh, 6, I think. And the alternative is to fulfill the law by saying, look, the law is good, but I am not. And this is how God's grace is working through that. So we honor the law without worshiping it. Yeah. And we have to point to, I mean, this was, I think we talked about this before, right? Like it all comes back to the cross. It all comes back to Jesus. And if we stop, you know, one third of the way or two thirds of the way through, we kind of miss the whole point of, you know, why Jesus died. Yeah. Right. I think that's right. I think there. There is something in us that wants to, I'm not saying I'm above this. I I think it's just part of what it is to kind of be human and dealing with this, where we want to, we want to be able to explain everything. We want to be able to, I don't know, it's it's kind of like we want to be able to to control the data in such a way that 
there is no more mystery left. It's, we, we want everything to have, be tied off. We want everything to have its compartment. And when we have these biblical tensions, which are, they're there. There's no question about it. Like having a God who, who loves mercy and yet who, who visits the sins on the third and fourth generation. How do you yeah. not see that? Like right away, it, right away yeah. there's tension. Yeah. And we're not comfortable with that. We want it resolved. But God doesn't, and this is where I think we misinterpret faith as having to have all the right answers rather than saying faith points us in the direction of truth. Faith grounds us in convictions that are true. But still, you know, when, if, if we're going to be honest about this, we're going to have to recognize that we need the Lord, that even though we have the text, we need the Lord of the text, like present in our midst. Because, you know, I mean, how do you deal? You know, there's scriptures that call us to fasting. There's scriptures that call us to feast. There's scriptures right. that call us to work hard. There's scriptures that call us to Sabbath. Like there are, I mean, this is the reality of the text. And even when you, you say, well, you got to interpret in this context. Of course, I'm a, I mean, I have a PhD in that. But still, yeah. th- there is the yeah. need to say there is a God we can't fully explain and if we're not going to be willing to submit to that god we're going to have a hard time because he's he's going to consistently i think confound us in in the way that he's going to lead us because of what you said before like the the route to the destination you know it's 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 rarely if ever a straight line yeah and that capacity that he has to lead us in mm-hmm. these ways, I don't. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be prepared yeah. for that. Yeah, in some ways, truth is like the law, or, or knowledge is like the law. It's useful up to a point, but actually, its biggest usage is to teach us our own incompleteness, so that we work, so that right. we trust in God. By the way, mm-hmm. I just realized I have a 9:30 co- uh, meeting that got scheduled, so I got to wrap in nine <laughs> minutes. Okay. Uh, Works uh, not quite. Uh, things have started to come down at work, but uh, there's still a few things. Whoops, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, somehow my uh, theory thought I said something and started playing music in the background. That was strange. <laughs> uh, there's another fascinating thing I learned from um, listening to. My, have you heard of uh, Liars Poker? The story about Mm-mm. Wall Street in the 80s. Uh, it was no. a, uh, big, it was a it's a true story. Michael he, he did like the Big Short and Moneyball and a bunch of these okay uh, things and he won the pandemic where he talks to these he takes on these highly technical complex subjects and tells these really engaging stories around them built around real characters. And he was doing yeah. a review of his book thirty years later and he said you know I have this this bad rap that I'm good at explaining things. He goes I'm not. What I do is I'm telling a story about a character. And I explained to you just enough to understand what it means to the story, to the plot. Hmm. And I realized, yeah. you know, getting back to the point about just being emotionally present, like maybe that's the, I think this is the Western conceit, right? That we can come up with a, a objective, rational solution to a problem. Right. And the reality is, is that the world is infinitely complex and you can never totally capture anything. But you can come up, if you understand what's at stake in a given situation, then you can come up with a 
reasonable understanding of what needs to be done. And I think that's the thing is, is that we want to decontextualize our knowledge to make it seem like this abstract, pure thing. But the reality, and this is sometimes the difference between wisdom and knowledge, right? Wisdom, yeah. knowledge is sort of abstract. Wisdom is concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of, like, how do we reconcile these things? Well, like, you can't reconcile them in the abstract. You can only reconcile them in the concrete. Is that, like, yeah. in this situation, when I am here with you in this relationship with these roles, what does it mean to bring honor to Christ? Mm-hmm. and uh, model and live that out. And then, you know, for that concrete situation, if you ask God for wisdom, he will give it to you. I'm like, what yeah. do I need to do in this thing? And sometimes he has to do a few iterations to build up the conceptual primitive so I even know what it is he's talking about. <laughs> like you had yeah. the children of Israel and a king and the prophets and all that. But, you know, that's the... That is the answer we should find. I sometimes say there's no silver bullet, but there is a golden sword. Like you can't just ah. like come up with a magic idea and just shoot it from a building far away and hope that it like solves everything. But you can go through one-on-one, one human being at a time, one relationship at a time, hmm. and you know cut the Gordian knots that have stuck us in various places. Wow. Mm. Good man. All right, last question awesome. to wrap things up. Uh, yeah. What What is it that breaks your heart? What a question. The Andy Stanley question uh, I've been using. Interesting. What is it that breaks my heart? Cool. Was not ready for that one. I don't. That's a great question. I'm not sure I have a. I can leave it as a uh, hanging in the air and you can get back to me in, you know, in over text as you think about it. Because the, the, the thing that I've been looked as, as a not entirely ridiculous segue, like, like I feel like there is so many things that I want to do based mm-hmm. on my sort of abstract kind of situation. But the, the only way to really resolve that is to look at the people in my life and say, what is it that um would minister would would help them you know see christ and be christ more effectively so like i talked with a friend of mine from mit who runs the the study center christian study center there and for him it was the fact that people over the last couple years have been turning inward and when i asked Mm. him to define it he said it was easiest easier to define the opposite which is hospitality which is a wonderful word that's come up in all sorts of places and it's like, okay, that's the thing. It's like, if we could figure out, and the second question from Andy Stanley is, what is the impossible thing that, if it were possible, would change everything? And, Interesting. And the, um, so the idea of, like, how do we create something that would actually uh, inculcate hospitality in, in a population? Uh, for me, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I had an epiphany uh, last Wednesday uh, which I'm still not sure what to do with, but it was that uh, the thing that would change everything for me is if I could make repentance more fun and profitable than sinning. <laughs> wow. What a statement. Nice. Well, why don't we just leave it there, hang it in the air, and we'll continue on text and uh, okay. see what God says over the next month. You want to pray? Fair question. 
Let's do it. Lord, thank you. God, as always, we're aware of our limitations, but also of your profound love. We're grateful for that. Pray that you continue to soften our hearts and sharpen our minds, keep our bodies in health, so that with what we have, we can continue to serve um, your purposes and your, your agenda in our generation. God, touch Ernie and Sandhya, the kids, Lord, bless, bless them, strengthen their hearts, Lord, in these days. We pray as well for my household. Uh, Lord, may you just continue to, to dwell in our midst and open our eyes to see you with increasing clarity. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, I a blessing on uh, Jeff and Carol and their kids, on uh, Vanith and Reka and Nimble and Pansy as they're dealing with various health issues and challenges. Mm-hmm. And I just pray for the body of Christ here in America and around the world. Lord, I just feel uh, the hunger of your heart for reconciliation, to mm. bring your bride to you, to unify the body of Christ. And yes, I feel like Lord. this is a season where you could do that. And I want to just be secure in the fact that I need to stay connected to you and you will show me the right roles at the right time. I pray for yes, Jeff and I Lord. as we dialogue around this, Lord, that you would surface the things that you want us to focus our energies on so that we can be a uh, salt and light in this world and yes. enjoy you more deeply and fully. Uh, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank have you, a coach. great anniversary. Give my love to Carol. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yes, we will do. God bless Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye.